Welcome to Igris Moshe A to Z. I'm Rabbi Dov Linzer, Rosh Yeshivan President of Yeshivat Chovei Torah Rabbinical School. We're looking at Kuvot of Moshe Feinstein on Lifnei Iver, or leading someone into sin. In the last two episodes, we saw Rav Moshe dealing with the case of feeding somebody food who uh, is not going to be making a bracha and inviting somebody for Shabbat who will drive in order to come for Shabbat. And in both of those cases, Rav Moshe was pretty strict. Uh, He did not look at the big picture considerations about the fact of whether you're bringing somebody closer to a life of Torah and observance, but much more at the micro and the concrete about this particular sin that is being done. Uh, He wasn't willing to consider Tino Kshanishba, the fact that uh, non-observant Jews um, are fundamentally you know, not bought into the system and uh, are not willfully violating Shabbos or doing any of the other violations because he focused particularly on the sin that was being done regardless. And um, both of those cases, though, had an element where the person was directly participating, where they're directly offering food or directly inviting somebody for Shabbat. In this episode, we're going to look at the flip side of the coin and two chuvot relating to issues of weddings. Uh, One is a case about somebody who has a kosher catering business and renting out his, uh, the um, the hall for weddings uh, that will take place in a inappropriate way by a Jewish couple. But as we'll see, there'll be mixed dancing. And the question is, is this a concern of Leif Iver? And then um, in another tshuva, dealing with a rabbi who has to perform a kiddushin, be a masader kiddushin, or chooses to be a masader kiddushin, for a couple that will not keep the laws of nida. And is this an element of lifne iver, somehow enabling the uh, construct, enabling the relationship that will then lead to the sin of transgressing the prohibitions of nida? Now, both of these two circumstances reflect the realities that Rav Moshe was dealing with and the Orthodox rabbinate was dealing with um, in America. in his days. The one about the catering call is dated 1958. The other one is not dated, but it's presumably from around the same time. And clearly, uh, Orthodox rabbis were um, often would deal with mixed congregations. But obviously, this thing happens even today. A catering call that wants to rent out to a wide range of people, a kosher catering call, and rabbis that will um, ask to be doing an Orthodox ceremony and be a Masada Kiddushin, even if the couple is not observant. And what we'll see here is somewhat of the flip of the other two uh, episodes, the two what we looked at in the other two episodes, because here... Rav Moshe is willing to consider, um, you know, greater policy considerations and whether by doing this one is helping bring people closer to Torah and mitzvot, helping them do more mitzvot, um, even if there's something specific and concrete that might be uh, a sin or might be done, being done wrong right now um, by the by the couple. Um, the other consideration is that at least what makes this case easier or better than the other cases is that the person is not sort of directly being involved in the uh, sin that is going to be taking place. Uh, the catering hall gets rented, and then there's the dancing takes place a while later. The rabbi is the Masada Kiddushin, and then whatever happens in the bedroom happens a while later. So in these cases where the person is not being directly involved, um, it allows Rav Moshe to take a more uh, open approach and to more consider the larger picture. So so we start with uh, Tshuva from Yoridea 172, and this is dated 1958. And he writes as follows, Regarding the catering business, that there are a lot of weddings that are 
that they act inappropriately during the wedding. As, as we'll see, there's mixed dancing. It's very interesting how many two photos of Rav Moshe deal with the issue of mixed dancing. Um, is there a concern of helping people who are perform- doing a sin? And it's dated 1958 and to a rabbi, Ben Rakov in London. And he writes as follows. Can somebody be in the catering business? He describes what it is in Hebrew, and then when he gets to catering, he just says the word catering. Because in a lot of weddings, you know, what happens uh, afterwards, during the wedding or during the, the meal, is inappropriate. They act inappropriately. That they have mixed dancing. That is a sinful uh, activity. Activity. So, is there a prohibition of lifne iver of a stumbling block before the blind, or helping people who are doing a sin? So, first he looks at this from a perspective that we've discussed earlier or mentioned earlier, which is the fact that people here are uh, doing it willfully. They're not. They're not shogeg. It's not uh, unintentional. Now, of course, one could say that it's not exactly willful that they know that it's uh, prohibited or a sin or you know to do mixed dancing. Rav Moshe never even discusses what the big sin is about mixed dancing. You know, it's that old joke, right, that everything is forbidden because it will lead to mixed dancing. But <laughs> Rav Moshe considers that they're sort of like in the category of willful. And then he says that, therefore, it could be that when people are sort of willfully doing it, there's not a concern here. Now, um, to in terms of lifne iver. So he says the following. Um, Look at the shach. He says, look, first of all, he says, this isn't the only wedding call that they can uh, that they can rent. There are many wedding calls that they can rent. So this is not the case of what we what we referred to before as treyave dinara, where two sides of a river, where it's impossible to do this without your assistance. They could easily do this without your assistance. So your role here is much less. And um, and therefore, says Rav Moshe, the real concern here is that you might have an obligation to stop somebody from doing a sin. You're not directly participating. They could do this without you. But maybe you can't rent them the hall because you have an obligation to stop them from doing a sin. And Rav Moshe says, but you know, if they're doing the sin willfully, then your obligation to stop might not to lochiach is you know to to tell them they're doing something wrong or free show to separate. That might not apply if they're doing it willfully. That might only apply if somebody is unintentional or unawares. And therefore, says Rav Moshe, could be that there's no problem here at all. So that's point number one, which is an issue that's discussed in a lot of postgame, whether lifne iver, especially when the person could do it without your help, um, applies if somebody is willful. And Rav Moshe says that it does not, specifically because the problem when the person could do it without your help is a problem, is an issue of separating them from the prohibition. And you don't have a responsibility to stop somebody who's a willful sinner from sinning. Imagine what the world would look like if everybody made it their business to stop people who are making conscious choices and to stop them from doing the acts they're trying to do. So Rav Moshe says, therefore, since it could be done through somebody else, they could rent the hall elsewhere, you know, otherwise, then it's not a problem. Then he acknowledges that that's not a universal opinion. And he says, um, according to the Shach, there's no problem here uh, because the person is willful. Aval Hamagin Avram but the Magin of Ram disagrees and says that it's forbidden even if the person is willful. 
And then Rav Moshe says, but even according to that approach, we should, this can be, diff- this is different. Renting a catering hall is not like normal cases. Why is that? He says, first of all, he says, if they don't rent it out, you know, if you, the kosher catering hall, does not rent this out to people who have mixed dancing, what are these people going to do? Then they'll go to other other catering halls, and those other catering halls won't be kosher. Um, and then he says, So if we take a step back and we look at the big picture, then the fact that you're renting out this hall with the kosher food, are you, and we ask a question, are you helping them or are, you know, in the world of mitzvahs and averos, or are you hurting them? So rather than saying that you're hurting them because you're giving them an opportunity for mixed dancing, you're actually helping them. Why? You are, you are preventing them from doing the sin of machalot surot of eating non-kosher your food. And as far as the issue that they're going to use this for mixed dancing, he's saying, That's, you're not really directly participating in any way. You're renting the hall and then afterwards they're doing the dancing. There's no direct participation in that. And not only that, and you're really not contributing to it anyway because obviously they're going to have their wedding somewhere. So you're not really making a meaningful contribution. So what's really important to stop and appreciate here is that as distinct from all the other discussions, like inviting somebody for Shabbos that you could say, hey, you know, you're inviting them for Shabbos. Maybe, you know, they'll drive to you, but they won't be doing other Chilul Shabbos, you know, during that whole time that they're with you and you're bringing them closer to a world of Torah. Rav Moshe was not willing to look at those larger policy considerations or larger religious considerations. Um, why? Because in that case, you are sort of directly involved in the sin. Uh, whereas here, Rav Moshe says, number one is they can do it without you and you're not you know, you're not part of why they're doing it. Um, they're choosing to do it, and they could do it without you. So you're n- not in any way really directly involved or directly enabling. And therefore, he says, then we can take a step back and say, are you helping them or hurting them religiously? And in this case, clearly, you're helping them religiously and not hurting them. You're making them not eat non-kosher food and all the whole, uh, everybody inviting to the wedding eating non-kosher food. So clearly, there's a larger religious benefit to rent them the hall. And then he goes one step further and introduces another interesting idea, not just about this policy question, but about how we frame what this act is that you're doing. Because I think for most of us, besides, you know, the question about how much he's always focusing on mixed dancing as this terrible sin, but for most of us, if we hear this question of renting a catering hall, our feeling is, wait, you're helping them do a sin? I mean, the catering hall, they're going to use it for the wedding, they're going to use it for for the meal. How connected are you really to the fact that one thing about how they're going to use it is going to be a problem? And Rav Moshe now actually uh, turns to that point, and he says, um, the problem of helping somebody is if you're giving them something that they will use exclusively to do a sin. So an obvious case would be you give them non-kosher food. Or another case that comes up in the Gemara, which is uh, renting someone or lending somebody a plow uh, during a Shemitah year, that they're going to use that plow um, on Shemitah itself, and that's all they're going to use it for. Um, says Rav Moshe, but if you lend somebody something that they can do both a myth, an Avera with it and also something neutral with it, then it's really not a problem. Because he says, if it were a problem, I wouldn't be able to lend somebody who doesn't keep kosher a pot. 
because then they'll use the pot for sometimes cooking non-kosher food. And that's obviously absurd. So as soon as this is a thing that will be used for both, we don't define my lending it as participating in an Avera. I'm lending it for all the permissible uses, and fundamentally the act is not connected to the sin. And he, and he, and he says as follows. Um... He says, the uh, Imlaf Cain, if this were not true, that because it will also be used for a sin, it would be a problem. We wouldn't be able to sell pots and pans or lend pots and pans to people that don't keep kashrus. Oh, and they'll also use it to cook on Shabbos and non-kosher food. So clearly, though, Rav Moshe says, this is not the case, that we don't look at this as uh, related to any act of sin, uh, since uh, a major use of this will not be relating to sinful activity. And that's certainly true in the case of the wedding hall. Um, so then he has a whole long discussion to sort of demonstrate this, and he concludes as follows. And now he takes it even one step further. And he says, you know what? Because of this question of how much does this act relate to something sinful, he says, maybe even if there's no other catering hall, it would actually be permissible to rent it out. So, you know, if without a catering hall, they'll have a private wedding and they won't do dancing and there won't be any mixed dancing. And only because you're the one catering hall in town and you're renting it to them will there be mixed dancing. And Rav Moshe says, it's possible even even in that case, you can rent it to them. Because fundamentally, you're renting, renting it to them for the wedding, and it's not connected to their choice to also have some mixed dancing. Um, and then he says, certainly it's true in cases which are almost always the case, where there's other halls to be renting from. And he adds to this, the coach came And all the more so, and going back to his point of the larger policy issue, or the larger sort of religious calculus, that when they go somewhere else, they won't be eating kosher food. So therefore, says Rav Moshe, there are two major considerations here which make this allowed. Number one is you're not, they have other options, you're not directly involved, so we can look at the larger religious considerations and say you're helping them rather than hurting them. They're not going to be eating non-kosher food because you're renting them a, 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 a hall that will be serving kosher food. That's number one, you're not directly involved. Number two is the act is really fundamentally not connected to sin because the object being lent is something that's going to be used for permissible purposes. And the fact that they're also going to use it for something inappropriate or sinful or a transgression is really not relating to anything that you are doing. And therefore, when you combine these two considerations, says Rav Moshe, there is um, ample reason to think that it's not only permissible, one gets a sense even the right thing to do to lend it to them. You're only helping them do something uh, you're only helping them uh, do mitzvot and stay away from Averot. And then he has one final discussion, which is what about renting out the hall during the, the uh, periods where you're not allowed to get married, like the period during Svira or during the three weeks? Because in that type of a case, you could say it's only going to be used for a violation. Getting married during this period is only a violation. It's not that there's a permissible aspect and plus the mixed dancing. So he says, nevertheless, and that if you can't rent out your wedding hall during that time, that's going to be a major loss of Income, loss of income. So here Rav Moshe says, fine, drop the point I said before about uh, that it can be, that part of the use will be permissible. You still have the idea that you're not the only person who can make this possible. You're not necessary to this. They can rent it from someone else and that they're doing it willfully. So it's really not your responsibility. 
And you can rely on that position because of the great loss of income. And then he says, so if you want to rely on it, you sh you're able to, because even if the loss is loss of profit and not actually loss of principle. And this is an important principle by Rav Moshe Feinstein, which is, you know, some types of things that are allowed because uh, to save a person from loss, um, some poskim will say that that only applies if you're losing principle, but not if you are losing profit. So, for example, do you have, if you have to take off work and you won't get paid for those, day, those days of working because it's a cholamoed, let's say, some poskim will say, well, that's not really a loss because you're actually just losing earnings and profits. You're not losing anything in principle. And every case is different, but Rav Moshe's general inclination is to say, no, losing profit is also a loss, you know, especially if it's expected process and profit and part of your general income. And therefore, because of that, you'll be able to rent it even during the three weeks, even during the period of the Sfira, because, says Rav Moshe, you can rely on the positions that ultimately you're saving them from not eating non-kosher food and you're not central to the mixed dancing. They can rent this hall from other people, so it would be permissible for you to rent it to them as well. You know, but from this chuvah, we see a very important and different tone from the earlier chuvah, that when you're not directly involved, we're able to take a step back and say, are you helping or are you hurting? Um, and, um, and also his very important point that we don't have to look at something as we're connected to an Avera if a major element of it is permissible activity, if you're lending them something, renting them something that they're going to be using in a permissible way as well. We now turn to a tshuva that relates to the issue of a rabbi doing a wedding if the couple will not be keeping the laws of Nida. And uh, this is a, a, something that comes up, obviously, um, a great deal even today. And it happens as a matter of course. So a couple asks a rabbi that he wants him to do the, their wedding. Um, um, even if they're not observant, uh, they're not orthodox, the rabbi will regularly do it. Sometimes the rabbi says that you have to uh, go to the mikvah beforehand um, or learn the laws of Nida beforehand, but nobody is requiring the couple to commit to keeping the laws of Nida um, before doing the wedding. And the question is, why is that true? Why is this not a concern of Lifne Iver? Because you're doing the wedding and then it's going to lead to their married sexual life and you are somehow a part of uh, that transgression. So Rav Moshe actually says that this might depend on two opinions in a two opinions in a Tosos and Yevamos. Tosos discusses whether a man is allowed to marry a woman that there's a prohibition to have sex with, um, but no prohibition to marry. For example, a case of a uh, mamzer or marrying a woman or, or, or a man who's not a mamzer wearing, marrying a woman who's a mamzer, mamzeret. Um, there's no prohibition of marriage, but there is a prohibition of sex. And Tosas has two opinions whether that the act of marriage would be prohibited. And Rav Moshe says that, um, you know, the, the two sides of this question are how much we see the wedding and the act of marriage um, as directly connected to the sexual life that the couple will have afterwards. To the degree that we see it directly connected and a lead-in to that sexual life, then it would be forbidden to even do the, you know, get married, even, even if they're not planning on having sex or, you know, independent of their having sex. Whereas if we see these as distinct, then marriage would be okay, even if the sex afterwards would be forbidden. So Rav Moshe then, that's talking about the person or the persons that are getting married. Rav Moshe then applies this to the um, rabbi who is the, and the witnesses who are the, you know, who's the Masada Kiddush and the witnesses who are making the marriage. And he says, look, even if there's no prohibition on 
technical prohibition. From the perspective of Tosfos that we look at the marriage and the sex as like directly connected, you'd be forbidden to uh, be the Masada Kiddushin because you would actually, um, because you would be uh, you would be sort of leading into the sin of the forbidden sex. So this is in Igris Moshe Ebenezer 487, um, and it is uh, and it is not dated. And he writes in, as followings. But to be the Masada Kiddushin or witnesses for those who won't keep the prohibition of Nida, since from this perspective of Tosvos, the wedding is considered to be a lead-in to the sex that will be happening afterwards, then this is an act that is connected to a forbidden sexual act, and you are transgressing Levnaiver because you are enabling it. Um, and you are part of the what is sort of making it possible. Even if they could go to another rabbi, they're you know, that's so it's not uh, that the case that you're the you're necessary for it, but okay. Right now you're doing it and you are enabling it. And this is like some of the other two votes that you're directly involved, not like the case of the catering hall. And he says, And that's what I wrote. Now, this chuva, interestingly, by the way, was not directly um, responding to a question, but it was responding to someone who wrote in um, and had questions on Rav Moshe's uh, commentary on the Gemara, on the Talmud. Rav Moshe wrote massive volumes of commentary on the Talmud. Actually, most people don't know this, but most of his time he spent not uh, as a posek, but actually as a Rosh Yeshiva and giving a shiurim in Yeshiva. And he wrote these massive commentaries called the Dibros Moshe, which uh, I'm sorry to say, and almost nobody ever reads nowadays. Um, I don't know how many people read it even in Rav Moshe's life, and that's Rav Moshe gets very happy when somebody references it, because it means that somebody is reading his, you know, his novella on the Talmud. And actually he about references around a hundred times in his Kuvot things that he wrote in the Dibras Moshe. So here somebody actually wrote in and had a, and raised some questions about this, but this is based on his writings um, in his Dibras Moshe. And he says that's for what I wrote there was according to this side of the opinion of Tosfos, it would be prohibited because of leaf naiver. We see the wedding and the sex as interconnected. And then he goes on to say, but you know what? Maybe they're not really the same because because you, I, I appreciate the fact that you wrote to me that if you look at the uh, responsa Meshiv Dover, which is of the Nitziv of Naftali Tzviyuda Berlin, that here he asks the question of, can you be in the business of, you know, being a Shadchin um, if some of the people that you're going to make the wedding for are people that are not going to keep Hilchos Nida? So, um, you know, are you allowed to uh, to uh, you know, to make a um, are you allowed to set people up if you know that they won't be keeping Hilchos Nida, especially if you're making money from it? So the Nitziv says you are allowed. Why? First of all, you're not necessary. Um, for this, they could always go to someone else. So tell that to certain Shadchanim who think that, you know, they have the special touch and without them, this person would never find, you know, their bashert. Um, and it really is interesting, you know, because it is hard to match two people up. And just because one person made the right match doesn't mean the other person would. But maybe at a time when there were much more arranged marriages, you know, it was something that was more interchangeable who your Shadchan is going to be. I don't know. But the Natsif says that you're not necessary and the Shadchan isn't involved 
involved directly at the time of the sin, and therefore you don't have lifne iver, and because they're not involved at the time of the sin, it's not considered misayeya, that the making the, the uh, setting the couple up is not directly involved in the sin that the, it's going to be happening later um, when they have sex. So if Moshe says, okay, on the one hand, this is somewhat similar to that, and maybe therefore I should say it's permissible, it's not really happening at the same time. On the other hand, says Rav Moshe, you know, there's a big difference between arranging the marriage and actually participating in the wedding. And when you directly participate in the wedding, Rav Moshe says, there's a reason to think that that is really uh, part of the act of sin itself to the degree that we see the wedding and the sex that follows as interconnected. And he says, That's really might be able to be seen as the moment of the sin itself. And maybe it's almost like you're directly, you know, feeding a person forbidden food. You're directly there doing the wedding, which is seen as, you know, um, giving them, you know, the opportunity of sin or actually the moment of sin. But then he concedes that actually it is true. Maybe it is more similar to arranging um, a match because, you know, the sin in the whatever they do in the bedroom will happen later. So here what we see is that Rav Moshe says that, um, as we've seen in the previous true vote, that when you are directly involved in the sin, whether they could do it without you or couldn't do it without you, it is a much bigger problem and we're not willing to step back and look at big picture issues. So to the degree that we see the marriage and the sex as interconnected, being directly involved in the marriage when the sex they're going to have violate in terms of the sex, Rav Moshe says it doesn't matter if they can go somewhere else. That is a really a problem. Um, however, he's willing to concede that maybe we don't see them as exactly the same act, even if they're interconnected that doesn't mean that they're exactly the same act. So he goes back and forth whether this would be a problem of um, of lifne uh, iver or misayeya. Misayeya is uh, when it's possible without you, but you're still directly involved. So from on the perspective that it would actually be forbidden, they raises the question of how rabbis are able to therefore be do a you know be a misader uh, when the couple won't be keeping the laws of nida. So Rav Moshe says the following. He says he goes back to the point that there are the opinions that when people are doing it willfully, that there's no problem of you know helping them, and he says you know we can rely on that in this case, and even if I think it is a problem, it is the time of the sin and so on, but at the end of the day, you're not, it doesn't have to be you, and um, and at the end of the day, it doesn't have to be you, and the people are, and the people who are doing this are amazed and doing it willfully. And therefore, he ends by saying the following. He says, um, to who, um, <clears throat> Even if the person hasn't really abandoned, you know, a life of, of observance, he's only this one thing, you know, people that maybe are generally observant, but not pl- planning on keeping the laws of Nida, even if it's just about this one sin. Um, it's not a problem if you're not necessary. When there's not the technical prohibition of lifne iver, whether you help them or not do the wedding, they're going to transgress. They'll have the sex. Maybe they'll have the sex even without the marriage, and they'll certainly have it till they'll go to somebody else to do the kiddushin. Leka iser Then you're not. It's not a problem of helping. 
And then he says, And here again is the Rav Moshe who finds reasons, of course, to justify widespread accepted practice in the Orthodox community. He says, and like we see that rabbis have the practice in most of the cities in America, to be lenient to do uh, weddings in these cases. He says, they would not get hired to be a rabbi if they would come and say, okay, I'll be a rabbi of the synagogue, but you should know anybody here that's not planning on keeping laws of Nida, I'm not going to do their wedding. <laughs> Moshe says, good luck getting a job. Um, he says, and even if they hired you, you know, without you making it clear that you were not going to do these weddings, if afterwards you say you're not going to do the wedding, then you'll be fired pretty quickly. So Ramosha says, you really don't have much of a choice. And at the end of the day, they could go elsewhere. Um, you're not necessary. The couple's going to be having the sex anyway. And therefore, since they're doing it will, willfully, um, then it is not a problem of helping them do the sin. So this is very important because here he says that um, raises the important question of how much we look at wedding and the sex afterwards as sort of one act. And is it a problem being involved in the wedding, knowing what's going to happen later in the bedroom? And although he's inclined to say initially that it might be, um, and only rely on the opinion that uh, maybe it doesn't apply for people who are doing it willfully, your participation doesn't really, um, is, not, is not a problem, um, he also is willing to consider the possibility to separate and to decouple uh, the marriage um, and the wedding from the sex. And I should just mention that in the Debris Moshe itself, he develops this idea more, that if you take the other position of Tosvos that really decouples the wedding from the sex, um, then, um, then it would definitely not be a leaf naiver problem uh, because you're just doing the wedding, the sex is independent of it, um, and, uh, and therefore you're really not doing anything problematic. Uh, and I want to just read a section from this. This is from the Debris Moshe and Yevamos, um, and this is uh, note of 43. And he says the following. He says, According to the position in Tosvos that there's no prohibition to get married even if uh, the sex afterwards is forbidden, and that decouples the, uh, the marriage and the wedding from the sex, he says, then there really is no problem, you know, not just because they're doing it willfully. Fundamentally, there's no problem to be the Masada Kiddushin for a couple not keeping the laws of Nida. Why? He says the following. There's definitely not leaf naiver. Why? Um... He says, first of all, who needs to be married in order to have sex? They could be having sex even outside of marriage, so and they'll transgress. So once we decouple the two, and we don't say, oh, marriage just is, you know, is leading into uh, sexual activity, um, then you're not really participating in their sin at all or enabling their sin at all. And he says, even if the couple really will not live together, you know, without being married, so you really are enabling in a certain way their sexual life. And and those were the good old days when the couple would not be living together without getting married. He says, you know what? He says, you know, that's a, you're still not enabling it. Why? Because they have elsewhere to go. If you don't do it, they'll just go ahead and get a conservative wedding. So therefore, you're not enabling it. 
the um, you're not enabling the sex really because you don't need the marriage for the sex. And even in a, a case where they sort of uh, want the need the marriage to live together and to have a sexual life, you're not really making it happen because they can go elsewhere. And then he makes this important point about um, about the larger sort of a religious calculus. And he says the following: um, First of all, if they go to a conservative rabbi, maybe the kiddushin won't be halachically valid. And not only that, that person will therefore more be connected to the conservative movement, and that will lead to you know uh, less likelihood of a full life of halachic observance. Um, therefore, there is no problem if uh, of helping do a sin. Uh, he says, because if you refuse to do the marriage, then actually you'll be leading them into sin. Um, you will actually be more hurtful to their religious lives. So again, what's fascinating here is in both of these two vote, Rav Moshe says, once you are not directly involved, um, you, you know, there's one question of are you necessary or not necessary. Even if you're not necessary, there's a problem about being directly involved. But when you're not directly involved, you're renting them the uh, catering hall and then they're going ahead and doing what they're doing. Or you're being the Masada Kiddushin, but the sex is really not seen as part and parcel of the Kiddushin. It's something that could happen without it and that happens after it and so on. So as long as you're not directly involved, we will be able to step back and ask a bigger question whether you're helping or whether you're hurting. And um, in both of these cases, says Rav Moshe, you're actually helping. You're helping the people have kosher food during the wedding. <clears throat> you're helping the people have a, have a kosher wedding and stay connected to, you know, Orthodox Judaism and the life of uh, full uh, halachic observance. And therefore, it might actually not only be forbidden, um, but appropriate to do it in these cases. So in all of these two vote, we see an interesting sort of balance um, from Rav Moshe, and it's really also refreshing to see the type of nuance, you know, it's not a type of a post that will say, everything related to sin is us, or everything is, you know, that's connected to a world of Kiruv is mutter, but, you know, does what obviously Halach is supposed to do, which is look very specifically at the concrete cases, and at the specific uh parameters of the halacha, and he comes to a conclusion that when you are directly involved, even if there's a big kiruv component, like inviting somebody for Shabbos, um, it is forbidden. But when you're not necessary and not directly involved, those are the cases that we're allowed to take a step back, ask these bigger questions, and see that when you actually are bringing somebody closer to a life of Torah and mitzvahs, not only is it not forbidden, but it very well might be the right thing to do. Looking forward to continuing next time as we move on from the letter L to the letter M and look at Chuvot of Ramosha on the issue of medical ethics. Thanks for listening to Igros Moshe A to Z with Rabbi Dove Linzer, now celebrating over 10,000 listens. This podcast is brought to you by Yeshivat Chovave Torah, and is a project of the Lindenbaum Center for Halachic Studies. With close to 150 rabbis in the field, YCT is leading and inspiring Klal Israel with a Torah that is nuanced, compassionate, and contemporary. Check out yctorah.org to learn more.